Welcome to the Find Your Leadership Confidence Podcast with Vicki Nedling. You are about to discover impactful lessons that help you grow as an individual, grow your confidence, and find the positive and good within you, so you powerfully and authentically become the best version of yourself. Be sure you visit our website at www.findyourleadershipconfidence.com. While you're there, subscribe to us via your favorite network. Now tune in, get ready, and enjoy the journey of emerging as a leader of exception in the 21st century. Welcome everyone to the Find Your Leadership Confidence podcast. I am your host, Vicki Nethling, coming to you from Roswell, Georgia. The goal of our podcast is to empower our guests by sharing topics and guests that will make sure that you know how to become a confident leader and take your business to the next level. Today, my guest is Brian Gillette. Where do you hear his story? Brian is a former Silicon Valley human resource executive, founder of his own leadership consulting business, an amateur ultra endurance athlete. He has ridden his bike across the United States and run 205 miles around Lake Tahoe. Brian knows how to connect with both business leaders and amateur athletes to help them reach their peak and achieve their the impossible. The skills and behavior as he's learned are the same. After interviewing 100 leaders on how they reach their peak and from, and from his experience in both roles, he wrote the epic performance lessons from 100 executives and endurance athletes on reaching your peak. In his speaking engagements and podcast interviews like this, he talks about the key aspects to push oneself and one's team further. Today, I've selected our theme as leadership powered by common sense, which we know, having anyone that's worked in the corporate world for any time at all, is not always the case. <laughs> Please join me in welcoming Brian Gillette. Vicki, hey, is hi, it is nice to be on your show. I appreciate you having me here. Great to meet yes. you. I'm coming from San Francisco, the San Francisco Bay Area. So we're uh, we're uh, a, a few miles apart. <laughs> you can bike over to me. <laughs> <laughs> I have biked across the United States, but I took the northerly route, came into uh, Rhode Island. So I did I did not go into Georgia on that trip. Yes. Wanted to get some of that uh nice uh Lobster. Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's great. Well, to you be answered here. my first question, which is my icebreaker. Where do you call home? Have you always lived in that area? So I'm about. Uh, I have always lived in this area for in the in the general area for most of my life. Um, I'm about 45 minutes to an hour east of San Francisco in oh. the suburbs, um, and so I, I grew up in the area. Uh, in a small town not far from here and then have called this home since oh I think I moved back here in the mid-90s so but li didn't live too far away yeah San Francisco's beautiful place 
It's a, it, it is, it's a nice place to, uh, to live. I, and, you know, in, in a couple hours, I can be in the mountains. Yeah. Um, I can be at the ocean. So I, I enjoy it here. Yeah. Awesome. So let's just get right into this. I'm sure everybody is um, waiting to learn, pick, pick your brain or let me pick your brain for them to hear. You interviewed 100 CXO, so I'm sure that's the C-suite, right. and ultra-distance athletes, which after this, I'm going to have to talk to you about that. Yeah. What did you learn uh, they do well or differently than others? Yeah, I mean, there's a number of things that they do, and my reason for for choosing that group is I had, I had just completed the 200 mile run around Tahoe. So that's mm -hmm. eight marathons back to back. And I thought, what is it, you know, how is it, you know, people that do these things can go you know, across the finish line. They're, yeah. I'm not going to disagree with you on that. <laughs> <big one>. Crazy <laughs> people. <laughs> um, and, and is there any similarities between what you see on, you know, doing these types of events, the ultra distance events versus the, you know, what you see at the executive suite and, and some of the executives. And so I thought, I want to find the answer to that. Um, and I, I set a goal of 100 people. Um, mm -hmm. and, and about 75% of those were in the business world. And then, you know, a little less than, tw you know, about 25% were in ultra distance um, or something along those lines. And, and I found there were just tremendous similarities wow. between some of the folks, you know, highly focused mm -hmm. on what they want to accomplish. And so they know what they want to accomplish and they're very clear on why they want to do it. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I had interviewed one um, CEO of a fairly, you know, responsible for a fairly large board. And, and I said, you know, why is it you're doing this? And he works in the economic development space in the Sacramento area, which is our state capital. Mm -hmm. And he's, he's responsible for about you know, 15 to 20 of the cities in the surrounding areas. And then all of the kind of the big executives in the area that is his board. Mm -hmm. And he's, he's trying to raise up the economic development region. Wow. And I said, you know, what is it? Why do you do that? I mean, what, what got you into this? And he said, when I was a kid, I, you know, he, I saw that my dad got laid off mm. and lost his job. And when he lost his job, he just kind of lost that will. Yeah. And I never wanted that to happen to other people. And so that's why he works so hard to kind of build up these regions. And this guy is just wicked smart. And it, it kind of, mm -hmm. we, we've all heard that find your why. It's mm -hmm. that know why you're in this. Mm -hmm. And and so he was clear. So, and and when they set that, you know, they get very focused. They know mm -hmm. where to say yes, but they also know where to say no. You have to prioritize mm -hmm what you want to get done. You can't do, you can't do everything. Yeah. You know, I, you know, one of the, one of the chief human resources officers that I interviewed, he, he's the CHRO for a mid-sized technology company. He is the, um, he, a professional, he was for a period of time, he was a professional FIFA referee for a long period. Um, <laughs> so he refereed at the top at the very highest parts of soccer. And then he's an Ironman. Wow. And he said, when I, you know, this ties into the priorities is when I decide I'm going to do an Ironman, he goes, I know I have to find 12 hours a week. And that's only at 7% of our week. 
And mm. he goes, I know that I can't say no, yes to everything. Yeah. And so I have to figure out where am I going to find those 12 hours? So it's, it's just that, that priority, um, you know, very focused um, and very confident in, on, on what they can do. I mean, there's yeah. many other things, that, but those are a few things that just come to the top of my head. Yeah, and I'm sure that they don't just go about their week haphazardly. I'm, uh, you know, they sounds to me that they're people that you know do that Sunday planning or. Look yeah. At their... <laughs> no, you're you're right, Vicky. I mean, they're very deliberate in mm -hmm. what they do and very deliberate in what they don't do. Yeah. Um, and so they know it's like, okay, this is the direction I'm going to go, and and that's the direction I'm going to go. You know, you yeah. think you think of a pilot. You mm -hmm. know, a, a pilot do just doesn't take off. And it's like, oh, where's the plane going to go? You mm -hmm. know, and, and so many of these people, and I'm kind of of the same view, is I don't let fate drive where I'm going to go. I, yeah. I, I take control of it and decide that, okay, I'm going to go this way. I'm going to go to Roswell. Um, and, and I go there. So I don't, I don't go to Tallahassee. Yeah. And I think also you have that destination, but you know when you have to pivot or change your direction to get to that end goal, but you don't just go straight on head. If there's a roadblock or something, you, you know, don't let it stop you. You'd be willing to change, to be flexible. You are, um, but you're hesitant to change too early mm -hmm. um, because you will hit roadblocks along the way. But so many of them, them uh, the folks, they had the confidence that there are gonna be roadblocks. Right. Um, but I know I, I, when I hit that roadblock, I know that I can go around it or I'm going to find another, another way to yeah. go around it. And so it's, it's that confidence. It's that it, it, there are going to be bad days <laughs> and I know there's going to be bad days and there's going to be things where I'm going to hear no, or I'm just going to, um, kind of get stopped. And then yeah. I have to figure out, okay, maybe I got to go try a plan B. <laughs> That's awesome. What surprised you the most when you interviewed these executives? Two things surprised me. One is how humble yeah. most of them were. Um, I mean, they're they're no different than than you and I. I mean, they mm -hmm. they have they have their their insecurities, they have their strengths, um, but how humble everyone was, mm -hmm. and and I would. I would reach out to them and ask, hey, hey, I'm working on a book. And I, I interviewed these people over about a year and a half. I said, mm -hmm. here's what I'm doing. You know, would you mind if I interviewed you? And, and I was surprised how many people said, well, why do you want to interview me? <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I would say, well, because here's what you have accomplished. Mm -hmm. and, and so I had to be the one coming back. It's like, well, you did this and then you did this. And, and I yeah. want to learn about that. And, and they said, oh, okay. So, so that surprised me. And then the other thing that really surprised me is how many, how few of them said no. So mm -hmm. I, was, I was wondering, you know, I'm going to go reach out to these people and how many of them are going to say no to my request? So if I want to interview 100, am I going to have to ask 200 people? Yeah. I asked 102 people. Wow. Yeah. So I, 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 I spoke to more people than that, but I only, uh, only two people said no. Wow. And, and, and it just, it reinforced something that, that I have to kind of reinforce in my head more is if you don't ask the answer is no. no. 
Right. Um, if you do ask, there is a greater chance the, the answer will be yes than if you don't ask. You might still hear no. Not but, now. <laughs> but <laughs> there is a, there's a greater chance you're going to hear yes if you ask. Yeah, absolutely. So, so that those, those things surprised me just and, and I just I loved the interviews. I just I could have I could I could continue to talk to, to these yeah. folks. I, I was whenever you were first talking about the first thing that surprised you. I wondered how many of them thought, well, how many people said no before you came to me? <laughs> you know? I, that's a good question. I, I don't know the answer. <laughs> they, but they I, may, I could see that. They may learn about that now. <laughs> when the chips are down, as we just said a few moments ago happens, and form your forward motion or momentum is stalled, how do leaders say, I'm going to keep going? They, you know, so many of them have that confidence in themselves and they know that they can, can keep forward, keep moving forward. Um, there are a couple things that I've learned, and these are things that I've learned um, kind of doing ultra distance events, because eventually you will, the chips will be down. And, and, you know, some, so many of them kind of go back and say, what is that? Why, yeah. why, why am I, why am I doing this? And I'll give you an example of one woman um, that I spoke to. She is a founder of a company called all across Africa mm-hmm. based down in San Diego. But what they do is she has about 4,000 weavers, people that weave baskets, these beautiful mm-hmm. African baskets. They're in places like Uganda or Rwanda in, in Africa. They weave these baskets. Those baskets are then exported into Europe and the United States. Um, and they're beautiful products. And so she and a, a, um, her partners founded the company a, a number of years ago. And the, they went through Ebola. And so that they, they've been through two pandemics. I was talking to her in the mm-hmm. middle of uh, COVID. And so I was, I was talking to her and she goes, I mean, we went through, through Ebola and we just always, it's like, why are we doing this? You know, mm-hmm. they are changing the lives of 4,000 women where they're quadrupling their income. And so that kept her going forward. So move ahead a couple of years and she survived. Mm. And this, this is a good example. It has so many things in here and that they're things I experienced is, is when COVID hit, yeah. it, it was the same thing. And she, and she realized it's like, I've survived this before. I know I can survive it yeah. again. And you think about when you go through something challenging, it's like, okay, I've done something challenging before and I've survived it. Or, you know, I've seen other people survive it. And so, you know, she recognized it. I, I survived it last time. We can survive it uh, um, this time. The other thing is, is, you know, so part of it is that looking at why is looking at the big picture, why you're doing this. Yeah. And then there's another thing, and, and I use this in ultra distance events all the time, is focus on what do you need today? Focus on the little things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it's, I, and I remember when I was doing the, the Tahoe 200 and, and, you know, I'm, I'm 50 miles into a run and, you know, I've been, and I'm running in the middle of the night and it's like, what do I need today right now to keep Mm -hmm. me moving forward? 
all right, I need to get that piece of dirt out of my shoe. So it doesn't <laughs> cause problems later on. Uh, so it's what do you need this yeah. moment in order to get you moving forward? And, and, and kind of one other thing is so many of the people I talk to have a tremendous amount of confidence in themselves. And that confidence comes from doing smaller things, other yeah. things successfully. Mm -hmm. And, and I had read, I read a blog post about a woman who she wanted to ride her bike 500 miles and she, she made it 300, I think 325 mm -hmm. miles, which is, which is That's still impressive. <laughs> yeah. It's still, her goal was 500. And, and, and when she, she reached the 325, um, she's writing in the blog post and she said, you know, I thought I could only ride about 300 miles. And, and when I read that, what went through my head is you didn't have the confidence you could complete your task at the beginning. Yeah. You failed before you started. And so many of the people I talk to, they have the confidence. They start some crazy things, but they have the confidence that, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make it. I'm going to make it to the finish line. You have to visualize that. Yeah. I mean, that is, that's another powerful, mm -hmm. powerful tool. I was, you know, you talk about visualization, visualization, I was mm -hmm. uh, working with one woman and she was, she was studying for her law exam mm -hmm. and she had taken it three times before and not passed it. Yeah. And, and I was talking to her and just asking her a couple of questions and, and I could tell that her confidence was low. And I said, you know, next time, you know, she knew what it was like to fail the test. Mm -hmm. She, she could see that. And I think she was seeing that more frequently. Over. Yeah. Yeah. And I said, next time you take the test, try for like, you know, the, the two weeks beforehand, as you go to bed, just to visualize walking in to take that test and looking at the first question going, Oh, that's easy. And writing it. And then looking at the second question and go through and it's like, Oh yeah, I got that. That was, that was easy. And imagine you wearing your nicest outfit that you feel so confident in. And then imagine turning that test in and just like, oh, that was you know, just easy. That was easy. And then two weeks later, when you get the results back or however long it is, imagine, you know, getting that envelope, opening it up and says you passed. Yeah. You know, you're seeing the failure before. Mm -hmm. Now look at, you want to be able to see see what success looks like. And, and so many of the, the number of the executives I talk to, you know, they, they look at where they want to go, not necessarily where they don't want to go. Yeah, absolutely. So <clears throat> whenever we talk to people, you know, I teach how to be a better speaker, how to be confident in, in your speaking and in your leadership. And you always have that, that person who is nervous, that is, is really frozen because of that. And you talk about how it's good to be nervous. Hmm. Explain to the audience why that's so important. I, I know that feeling whenever, you know, I'm given a presentation, I too get nervous. Yeah. Um, you know, you get ready for a podcast, like, okay, do I have everything situated, you know, an interview and um, I, I do get nervous. I mean, I think one of the reasons why it's, I often say it's good to be nervous is it shows you're pushing yourself. Mm -hmm. And, and when we push ourselves, we learn. 
So how are we going into that uncomfortable zone? I'm a big proponent of get comfortable being uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. um, and, and so that nervous, that nervous quotient is, is your barometer to say, am I, am I going far enough? Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I was working with an executive team kind of a while back and we were working on putting their, their next couple of year goals together. And, you know, we look back, you know, kind of look back at the, at the flip chart to see what we've got on it. And I asked him, I said, so when you guys look at this, you know, how confident are you that you can, you can do it? And they all kind of looked at me. It's like, yeah, I, I feel fairly confident. I said, do any of these make you nervous? And no, no, not really. And I said, well, maybe you're not thinking big enough. Yeah. You know, it's, it, it, that is, that is the indication that you are thinking big enough. Now there is a point and you talk a little bit about how it can stop you. Mm-hmm. That's, that's too far. Um, and, and so maybe you have to back up a little bit. So if you're uh, given a presentation to, to 200 people, all right, maybe you start with 10 people. Um, how do you practice that over and over? I will tell you when I stood at the start line of the Tahoe 200, I was nervous Mm -hmm. because I was going to spend three, maybe four nights out on a trail in a remote area where there are bears. (laughs) I told you crazy. (laughs) Yeah. And, and I wasn't, you know, it's like, if I fall and something happens, it's a long way for somebody to get, you know, chances are a helicopter is going to have to come out and get me. And, and it's how it's going to take my body and my mind into places I might not have been before, but I knew those nerves are good. And how do you kind of, okay, get you, how does it get you excited? Yeah. You know, the adrenaline, the, yeah, that adrenaline. And and when Mm -hmm. I've given big presentations, I've been nervous about it. That's normal. And I think, how do you then normalize it that, most people are. I mean, I, one mm-hmm. of the executives I worked with years ago, he was general manager of a very large um, organization. And he kind of pulled me into his office privately. He said, hey, Brian, I really don't like giving presentations. And he had to give <laughs> keynote presentations. He goes, I get nervous. And so we had to talk through that and give him some t- tips on, you know, how to, how to yeah. handle that. So, Wow. So what holds people back from taking big leaps? Yeah, you know, excuses. (laughs) (laughs) By the pounds. Fear, (laughs) fear does. Um, You know, what's interesting is fear and excitement physiologically are the same. Yeah. You know, it's that you, you, you got that, that, that belly, you know, the the butterflies Mm -hmm. in your belly, you got sweaty palms, um, heart racing, heart is racing. (laughs) Yeah. Physiologically, they are the same. And, and and I remember, so my, my wife and I took our kids out of school for a year Mm -hmm. and we traveled around the world and we spent about four and a half months in Africa and we were out on an African safari, Mm -hmm. the four of us and our guide, and we're in this open Jeep where you know just this top but you can get in and out of the sides really easily and and we drove up to you know about 20 yards from this lion Uh and it at 20 yards it was really cool 
And it was so exciting. And we were all like, ah, this is great. And then the lion gets up and walks right toward us <laughs> and is literally about four feet from us. And you know, we, we could put our hand out and almost touch him. He looks up at us and my heart, my wife's heart is just racing. That was yeah. the fear. And, and, and I've got a video of this and, and, and you can hear my wife in the background, go to our, our guide. It's like, is this okay? <laughs> it's too late now. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's a little late. And, and he he says it, it's fine. You know, we <laughs> you just just stay very quiet. Well, okay, yeah. Um, and the lion, and so my heart is racing because of the fear. And then yeah. the lion just sits down, lays down in the shade of the the jeep. Wow. And it moves from this fear to this excitement. And, and it was just, it just no change in physiological to our body, but just all change in the mind oh, and, yeah. and, and fear, you know, as a, a friend of mine says, he goes, fear and doubt kill more dreams than uh, <laughs> yes. fa failure ever has. Yeah. And, and what's interesting is fear keeps our species alive. Mm -hmm. So when you see the lion, you move away from the lion. It prevents you from jumping off the cliff. It keeps you alive. Yeah. But it also keeps us from moving forward mm -hmm. when danger is relatively low. You know, mm -hmm. I, I just wrote a, a uh, um, blog post mm -hmm. um, how you know, my, my wife was in and her and my son were in a car crash oh, and wow. they're, they're fine. The car was totaled, mm. but we, you know, we aren't generally afraid of, of driving, but you know, there's a number of people that are deathly afraid or just fearful mm -hmm. of flying. Yeah. And when you look at the statistics, more people die in cars. More, yeah. I always say, you know, when people say that, I say, there's a greater chance you're going to die yes. in the car going to your airplane than you are going to the airplane. I mean, there were a couple of years um, when there were no um, U.S. fatal or no fatalities on U.S. carriers mm -hmm. on, on major commercial airplane. A couple of years. Yeah. And like over a six or seven year, I forget the exact numbers. There were like 60 people that have died in a commercial. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, we're afraid of the flying when that's not what we should be afraid. So it's, it's, how does, how does fear, you know, it, sometimes it needs to stop us to keep, cause it keeps us alive, mm -hmm. but also, you know, it needs to, you know, it, it can stop us when we should be moving, moving forward. Right. So yeah, I, I yeah, go ahead. And oh, I was just going to say, I had an opportunity, um, in 2014 to go to Kuala Lumpur for a mm. Toastmaster convention. I was a, a district leader and that was when the plane disappeared in that area. Oh. And I had family, friends, everyone trying to talk me out of going. Yeah. And I said, you know, this is perhaps the only time I ever go to Kuala Lumpur. And it is to me a great opportunity. And if it's my time, it's my time. Yeah. And, and, and it was a fabulous, fabulous opportunity. I, I you know, I, 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 uh, one of the guys I interviewed, <clears throat> we were talking a little bit about that. And he said, often what we focus on is we focus on the worst case scenario. Yeah. 
when in reality, we should focus on the realistic worst case scenario. And this guy, he he founded the company, a company I worked for. He then ended up selling it for a couple billion dollars. He's a phenomenal skier. And so we mm. were talking about skiing. I also interviewed his uh, um, his ski coach. And, and he said, people will often stand and stand on top of the cornice and look down. And it's a scary, scary when you're looking down the cornice. <laughs> yes, it is. And he said, you know, the ones that get stopped are the ones that think I'm going to die. Mm -hmm. But in reality, a number of things have to have to occur. A number of bad things have to occur before <laughs> the worst case scenario hits. It's not one thing generally that occurs. It's a number of, right. a number of uh, things. But yeah, that, that fear is interesting. You know, having, tra I've, I've traveled all over the world and, you know, I've been, you know, I was in Turkey mm -hmm. um, when there were some bombings and, mm -hmm. and I was in Europe when London was bombed and, and, and I've been into Lebanon and people say, oh, aren't you worried about, you know, a terrorist attack? And, and I said, you know, the chance of something like that happening are so slim there's a greater chance I'm going to get hit by a car or a motorbike or some accident like that. Your, your chance of getting hit in a terrorist attack. And so we, we focus our fear mm -hmm. sometime in irrational ways. Yeah, exactly right. So you talked about traveling all over the world. You took a seven month sabbatical from a high paying, great job in the middle of your career and traveled the world. Why? Some people would <laughs> never, some people would never do that. Some people have a hard time just changing jobs. Yeah. <laughs> what, what inspired you or what provoked you? What provoked me? <laughs> you know, so I've done it twice. Um, I did a seven month, a uh, trip around the world in 2005. Mm -hmm. um, and then I did a one year, uh, my wife. So, and I, I did it, she was not my wife at the time in 2005. Um, and we, I, I knew that if we came back, we were coming back. And getting married. <laughs> it was, it's a really good test. Cause I was going to say she yeah. passed. <laughs> yeah. I, I think I passed too. Um, <laughs> You know, we knew when we left, it's either we're coming back on separate air, airplanes and we're going different directions <laughs> or we're coming back and got married. And so I proposed on the Great Wall of China. And oh, wow. you know, now we have two beautiful kids and it's just, I, it's wonderful. Um, and then we did it in, in 2017 with our two kids. And, and I asked, we both asked ourselves these same questions. It's you know, it's not common in the United States to do something like that. Right, you right. get into your, you know, your, your 20, you know, out of, out of college into your early twenties, into your thirties and your forties and, and even your fifties. And to take a break, um, from, from work is, is not that common, yeah. um, you know, for something like that. And, and I've all, I, I love to travel. Mm -hmm. Um, and my, you know, the company I was working for had just gotten acquired, um, and it was it's like, eh, it's not going to be as exciting. And now could be a good opportunity just to go to go spend seven months and kind of explore the world. Um, and, and the question I asked myself is, all right, in 30 years or 20 years, will I regret not doing this? Yeah. And, yeah. and the answer came really quickly. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's like, yeah, I will. 
Yeah. You know, if, if for something happened, you know, there were a number of things I was nervous about. My nervous quotient was was rising up. But if something happened, I can always come back. Yeah, that's true. Um, and so, you know, what's the worst that's going to happen? Um, you know, there's there's the worst case, but realistically, what's the worst? It's like I'm going to go out, I'm not going to enjoy it, and I'm going to come back. Mm-hmm. And and I loved it. And you know, I you know, I, and we had a great time. And and we then said, you know, when at the time we didn't have kids, but we knew we'd want to have kids. And, and so when, you know, our second child came along and we knew, all right, when they're in fifth and third grade, we, we're going to take them out of school. And so we just, we looked ahead, you know, 12 years and it's like, that's what we're going to do. Nice. So it's just that question of, will I regret not doing this in 10 years? And I have asked that when I've looked to make career moves, Mm -hmm. I was just talking to somebody the other day and they were trying whether or not to do this one big project Mm -hmm. and they really wanted to do it, but there were some things that were holding them back and they weren't, they were very, they were, they were easily navigate, (laughs) navigatable um, roadblocks. (laughs) <laughs> and and he was a little bit he was trying to talk himself into going i said okay if you don't do this will you regret it in 10 years and he goes yes i said there's your question you you, you got to do it so yeah. i had for my desk at the my corporate office for a long time uh i had a phone that was the result of a project that i had killed because it it wasn't gonna work and it has just a quote about uh, sitting on your rocking chair on your porch. And is this something, if you're sitting on your rocking chair, would you regret it at that time? Right. And, and, and that was my reminder for everything that I did from that moment on. Yeah. I mean, there was, there's a woman, Bronnie uh, Rare, mm-hmm. who wrote a book, Top Regrets of the Dying. And she was, a, if you've heard of that, she was a, um, not a nurse, but a home care um, mm-hmm. individual. And she, she worked pe- with people at the kind of the end of their life. Mm-hmm. And so she interviewed him. She got to talk to him. And one of the things she found is it wasn't the things that people did that they regretted. It was the things that mm-hmm. people didn't do. Um, and, and it's like, that's, that's how I kind of think it's like when I have to make big decisions. Now, there are times it's like, uh, you got to make, you got to make choices. You have to balance out priorities. Um, and you, you only have limited time, limited money, you know, and so how do you use that? And so that's where, you know, it goes back to what we started talking about at the er early on Vicky is, you know, the people that I, I talked to, they were clear on what their priorities were. Mm-hmm. And they were willing to say no to something in order to say yes to something else. Yeah. So many good things you pass up because you're afraid of what will people say if I do this, you know? Yeah. I know. As entrepreneurs, I, I mean, I know that a lot of people after I left my my corporate job, you know, retired, and they just figured, oh, well, you have your little nest egg there, you're gonna sit. And it was like, uh, no. <laughs> Have you not met me? <laughs> uh, yeah, you've got so much to offer. It's like, uh, uh, no, and and but you know what? What are? What if you fail? What, it was like, well, you know, I'll keep trying to figure out what is better for me. I don't know. There's lots to do out there in this world. So it, it's, but a lot of people hold themselves back because they're worried about what other people will think. 
you worried about what other people think. I mean, you know, I, I think back to a, a kid as a kid, you know, and and I remember going to those dances when you're in L, <laughs> your yeah. middle school. Oh yeah, and all the boys, all the girls. All the bull, yeah, all the boys are on one side, and so I was on one side, and all the girls. And you look across the room, and it seems like it's a mile and a half to where the girls are sitting. And oh, and and from you know, it's the, the 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 girls are sitting over there going, "Oh, is that guy going to come over?" And the boys are going, "It's like I am scared to death." And and then you get up and you walk across, which takes an hour and a half to walk across that gym <laughs> because it seems so long. And and you get there and you go to ask, and you know if the girl says no, it's a long walk back. <laughs> and I will tell you, I, I it scared the heck out of me, but you know I I, I did survive it. Yes, I'm, a, I'm a little scarred, but I did survive it. And <laughs> and it's like okay, have people survived? other things like that yeah and if i don't make it what's what's oh, gonna works. happen yeah. you know my, my dad when i was a kid um every year we would go skiing and we'd go ski like to somewhere in another state colorado mm -hmm. or idaho and utah and i you know i was 10 at the time we're in breckenridge colorado and i ski down the hill and i get to the bottom and I do this nice sliding um, yes. stop and I spray snow all over him. And in my head, I, in my head, I'm like this amazing skier. Yes. <laughs> and, and my dad's probably thinking, you're not that amazing. <laughs> and, and, I, and I said to him, I said, God, oh, man, I haven't fallen all day. And, and I'm really proud of that. And my dad compliments me on my form. He goes, you know, when you're not falling, you might not be pushing yourself hard enough. Uh -huh. Oh, very true. And, 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 you know, that every once in a while, and, and I, you know, I look at times in my life when, you know, I, I probably wasn't falling enough at that time, not because I was that good, because I just wasn't pushing it high, far enough. Yeah. And yeah. so, you know, we as a society don't like failure. I don't want to fail. Right. And I will try everything possible to fail, to not fail. But how do you learn? And that's one of the things that so many that's of the people, exactly yeah, and that I talked to, you know, they had some pretty good failures, failures. <laughs> and you know, yeah, and some of these were, were, you know, started up a company and it didn't work. And then they started up another one and it didn't work. Um, and it's like, okay, I can, I can figure it out eventually. So that, that's, that's, right. that's one thing that, you know, you got it. You're going to have some failures in life and they're hard. There's no yeah. doubt about it. And I, I don't like them, but they happen. You know, when I'm coaching or mentoring people that are trying to overcome the fear of speaking uh, and, you know, one of the first things when they get through their first four minutes or five minutes, it's like, see, you didn't die. Right. <laughs> we haven't killed anybody yet. <laughs> I haven't died yet. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, yeah. it's hard. Yeah, for sure. So what advice would you give your 20 or 30 year old self now? Um, you know, I was thinking, what advice would I give my, my uh, 15 year old self? And it would be go <laughs> ask the girl out. Um, <laughs> Learn to dance. Learn to, well, yeah. My wife, that's, that's the advice my wife would give to me mm -hmm. is uh, learn to dance. Um, you know, it's, don't be afraid to hit for the fences every once in a while and miss. You know, <laughs> and miss. Yeah. Yes. Um, you know what the guy I was talking about earlier who, you know, he lost his father when it, or his, uh, his father lost his job. 
And he goes, I'm a home run hitter. I, you know, I'm hitting, I'm hitting for the fences. Now, I, I think there's a balance. You can't always be hitting for the, for the, the fences um, because sometimes you just have to get on base. Yeah, and, it's a small wins. Yeah, it is those small wins, but every once in a while you see an opportunity. It's like, I'm going to, I'm going to go for the, I'm going to go for the, I'm going to risk it. Um, So I, that would have been, you know, the, the big thing I would tell my younger self is, Mm -hmm. is, you know, hit a little bit harder for the fences. Yeah. Cause whenever you get it, man, it feels good. It does. It sucks when you don't. No, I know. <laughs> when, I know. <laughs> when you see it, and I'm not a baseball play, player, but when you see it go into the fence and it's going, it's going, and then it drops down and the outfielder catches it, <laughs> yeah, that, like, that sucks because you're excited for like you know 10 seconds and then it's like, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. All right, it's time for rapid fire. Rapid okay, fire. Bring, it, bring it on. Five words or phrases, just whatever comes to your mind. Um, when I, 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 I say getting comfortable with being uncomfortable. Oh, I'm sorry. So when you say that? When I say that, what comes to mind? Getting comfortable being uncomfortable. Shoot, shoot for the fences. Shoot for the fences. Awesome. Why should we think more strategically? Um, we're in such a uh, get rich quick, get lose weight fast world, and and very few people get rich quick or lose weight fast. That's right. It takes time. It takes a lot of hard work, and and so that's why if you're thinking, you know, instead of thinking five, ten years out, think ten, twenty years out. But yeah. thinking one year out is uh, yeah. it's not going to get you to that long term goal. And my, all my anti aging products I sell, it's like. 90 days. You got to give me 90 days. Yeah. I'll make you look 10 years younger, but you got to give me 90 days. <laughs> the, the only people that get rich in the get rich quick thing thing are the people that wrote the book on how to get rich. Quick. <laughs> so, true. so, so managing risk. Hmm. People good at that or not? Uh, people aren't good at understanding where the real risk is. Um, you know, I, I, I can't, there's a number of people that are good or at managing risk. And, and so how do you truly understand what's at risk yeah. and what, what will happen if that happens and what is the likelihood of it happening? Mm. So there is a risk. Everything has risk. You know, yeah. I, I'm going to get in my car and drive somewhere this, this evening. There is risk there. Yeah. What's the likelihood of it happening? And if it does, how how can I minimize the impact if it does happen? That's why I put a seatbelt on. That's why I drive with a car with airbags in. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. my my wife got hit with a car going 60 miles an hour on the freeway by a car probably three times our the size of hers. The airbags went off and she walked out of it. So what are those seat, ba- seat belts? What are those airbags you have in your life to minimize any impact when the collision does occur? Yeah. I was sitting at a traffic light and a car turned left illegally right into my car. That mm. wasn't even moving. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it was before airbags. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I'm that old. I'm that old. Yeah. Okay, building resilience. Why should we tone those resilience muscles up you know it, it helps us to 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 get into that nervous zone mm-hmm. you know you think you think about swimming is as kids you you build you build your confidence and kind of get comfortable with some resilience in the shallow end of the pool mm-hmm. 
And then once you have that confidence, you move into the deep end and it's hard and you start to build some of that, more of that resilience. Yeah. Um, but it's the resilience gets you to do things that are bigger. Yeah. So, I mean, think about your first job and then think about your third job. You weren't ready for that third job that was much bigger. You were managing more people when you were at that, you know, right out of college or right you yeah. know, at that very first job. And so it helps us that resilience makes us stronger for the next thing that we're going to do. Yeah. I, I, you know, I, I recorded something for our, the radio station here about two and a half years ago. Um, people were complaining about COVID and, and mm. learning at home and how it's going to impact the math and it's going to impact their reading. And one of the things I said is, you know, Microsoft Word is going to help with that spelling now. Microsoft Excel is going to help <laughs> calculate that thing. What our kids are learning today is how to deal with change, how to building up their resilience. Yeah. And while I hate what's going on with COVID, there are some silver linings to Absolutely. it. And this is Absolutely. that silver lining. It builds resilience. And so it makes us stronger because mm -hmm. we're going to have to deal with something else later on. And this is going to help us get through it. Yeah, for sure. What was the hardest part of running eight marathons back to back? Getting to the start line. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> I believe it, it. You know, no, I, I mean, in all seriousness, I mean, yeah. there's a couple things, but I'll believe you. <laughs> yeah. Get, getting to the start sign you, when you, when it takes a, uh, it takes a year of training of hard training, getting up at three in the morning and running and, and out in the rain to get to the start line. Whereas when you get go, go from the start line to the finish line, you have a hundred hours. Wow. And, and so, you know, okay, a hundred hours, if I'm in pain, it's going to be over in, you know, <laughs> within a hundred hours. Yeah. So it's just that, it's just that constant kind of, I know I got to keep doing this. I got to keep persevering. And, and so that, uh, I, I wonder how many months, years till you decided to finally do the eight you know, how many excuses you put in front of that. Yeah. You, so you know. very, very few. Um, I, I have not been a runner all my life. Um, I only started running about three or four years before I did that oh. run. Oh, that is. Um, and I had done a lot of cycling endurance events. And mm -hmm. so I knew how to do, I knew how to build up to big things. And so you know, I did the marathon and then the next year I did a 50 and I did some fifties. And then the following year I did a hundred mile wow. run. Mm -hmm. And then I went and do the 200. So it was only a couple of years. I mean, as soon as I heard about it, it's like, yeah, that's cool. Let's do it. Wow. Very impressive. Very impressive. Take care of your knees. You know, I, know. I, I, I'm back. I'm doing more biking now, <laughs> yes. biking's really good. Much for better for your knees. It is. <laughs> All right, I'm going to share my screen. So those of you that are listening to this, please go run quickly, get your pen and pencils. I will read his website so you can capture that. All right, so his website is https colon forward slash forward slash there's probably supposed to be a www in front of that. Actually, I'll make it even easier. You just go to epicperformances.com. Oh, very good. Just yes. go to epic E, capital E, P I C has to be a capital. It doesn't have to be capitalized, okay. but just if you go to epicperformances.com, that'll take you to, to the website. And yeah, and um, you can drop him an email too. Just say Brian at epicperformances.com. <laughs> that's right. You connect, connect with Link me with LinkedIn as well. LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter. 
and Instagram. Just search by his name, Brian Gillette. Yeah, Brian with a Y. And then Brian with a Y, B R Y A N Gillette, G I L L E T T E. Awesome. I have had a wonderful time learning about you. You shared wonderful tips, inspirational. And, uh, you know, I, I think that my guests, my audiences will definitely want to reach out to you. So please do uh, check him out on social media. Let us know what you thought of this podcast and definitely uh, check out his book. I'm sure that the things that he shared here are just the tip of the iceberg of what you can learn from his book. They are, and and the book is on Amazon now. Um, oh, it, awesome. it goes, yeah, it goes live. Um, it's officially published, so it's in pre-order until August 16th. Mm. Um, so it's uh, Epic Performances Lessons from 100 ex- uh, Executives and Endurance Excellent. Athletes. Well, so. I know I will get that. I love those kind of books. I, obviously, this is why I love to do this, yeah. because I love to get uh, into people's brains about what makes them tick and makes them such great leaders. So thank you so much for taking time to uh, meet with me today. Thank you, Vicki. It's been a pleasure. I've enjoyed enjoyed talking with you. Awesome. Well, I always say until uh, we meet again, remember life is a journey and it's up to you to enjoy the ride. This is Vicki Nettling signing off. Thank you for tuning into the Find Your Leadership Confidence Podcast with Vicki Nettling, where we share impactful lessons that help you grow as an individual, grow your confidence, and find the positive and good within you so you powerfully and authentically become the best version of yourself. Remember to visit our website at www.findyourleadershipconfidence.com and enjoy even more great episodes like this one. Again, while you're here, subscribe to us via your favorite network. We look forward to seeing you next time on the Find Your Leadership Confidence Podcast.